asking. 7.23, uh, dare I bore you with a fallout to yesterday's decision from the PM to no longer appear on the show each Monday morning. When asked at her post-cabinet conference yesterday, she uttered something about not being able to do everything. Uh, no one can do everything. No one could do every single slot that's available. Um, what I have tried to do is make sure that I get as much spread as I can. People get their news from multiple sources. But of course no one ever asked her to do such a thing, just what each Prime Minister had managed to do for the past 30 odd years she's running for the hills because she's scared. She hates a hard question, she hates fact, she hates accountability, she hates not being fawned over. Hosking is a very uh, hostile and you know, a contrarian interviewer. And you often find yourself going through round and round in circles with them. Even if you see him as the rudest and, and most poorly behaved uh, interviewer in the country, if you can't handle that, then you're in the wrong job. You're the Prime Minister. Suck it up. Suck it up or stick it. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. Today on The Detail, the row over the Prime Minister's decision to cancel her regular weekly slot with News Talk ZB's Mike Hosking. What was so wrong with it? Politicians seem to think that they can pick and choose who they answer questions to, who asks them the questions and how they actually deal with the media. And that troubles me in terms of how we actually run a democracy. Tim Watkin is RNZ's head of podcasts. He's dealt with prime ministers over the years and he's written about the power balance between media and politicians. Why would you change a tradition that goes back, certainly with ZB, 30 years through many prime ministers? And why now? I think it takes two to tango with these kind of things, and I think Hosking has to reflect on his own behaviour, on his own interviewing style. I think it's reasonable that if you listen to the interviews that the two of them have done over the years, that a casual observer would hear a different tone that Hosking takes to this Prime Minister than he did to the last two. Is that right? He, th- he definitely does. I think so. I think it's, there it's is a ve- way that he, he can be... Um, dismissive and can put down this Prime Minister in a way he hasn't with other Prime Ministers. Crime yeah, yeah. focused on things that's, like that's methamphetamine. That's ambulance at the bottom of the cliff stuff. And so that's we're like putting also, $1.9 billion into mental health. And we're also... Because make, they're all tied up. Well, it, bottom of the cliff, if you're trying to stop supply out there and find me one young person that thinks that this government oh, has said that d- methamphetamine d- d- is being normalised and the supported point. The point, by this government. The point government. is you start is, soft, you start soft, it ends up hard. Uh, and everybody knows that. Nope. I absolutely disagree with you. It is outrageous, and I'm personally offended that you would suggest... Well, don't be personally offended about anything I I say. But at least you could concede that it's five business days, not two, because no one believes you. Uh, Mike, again, that was a reference to the decision, because we've always said that we would be going through till this Wednesday. Yeah, um, but but, but if I was a business opening under Level 3, I would have traded on Thursday... And Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday. Now, he's pretty open about his politics, and so there's an element to that. And so I can imagine that if you're you're this Prime Minister, you don't love that experience. But my bottom line is, in this situation, is you're Prime Minister, right? You are the most powerful person in the country. If you can't handle, even if you see him as the rudest and and most poorly behaved uh, interviewer in the country, if you can't handle that, then you're in the wrong job. You're the Prime Minister. Suck it up deal with it, toughen up and actually front up. Why should she, though? I mean, as you say, it's these interviews are so hostile. I mean, what does she get out of it? Because he, he is just It's not about pushing... what she gets out of it. It's about what we get out of it All as right. voters and members and electorate. OK, so what does, what does the audience get out of it? The audience should hear someone in power, under pressure, having their ideas and their agenda challenged. Now, this should come from any direction. This can come from further left. It can come from further right. It can come from just a different 
take from the centre. It doesn't have to be partisan. In fact, it shouldn't be partisan. But it should be any interview, certainly with a Prime Minister, let alone a Cabinet Minister, let alone an MP, should be a challenge for them. It should be a test. Politics at its best is a contest of ideas. And it should be uh, an interviewer being devil's advocate and saying, justify to me why you're in charge, why we've given you the power to actually dictate to our lives. Give us the, the reasoning, the rationale why you are doing X, Y and Z because you are impacting my life. And you should be, as Prime Minister more than anybody, able to deal with that, even if it comes from someone who you have a bad relationship with. But that is not what you hear in Hosking's interviews, though. I mean, you hear just repetitive criticism of her. We've we've got a clip of an interview about COVID and the handling of the borders. Your performance because you got caught with your pants down because you weren't testing the way you said you were. Uh, sorry, which, uh, what are you referring to specifically You weren't there? testing at the border. The border workers weren't being tested despite the fact you said they were. Not as comprehensively as we wanted to, no. So I've already run through this with you a couple of times. As you know, we did have a regime in place. Of regular so rotation. all of this is on you. And in the... Uh, Mike, that makes an assumption that that is where it came from. And I am not going to make any assumptions about uh, what happened. Well, where, where, where else did it come from? As she says to him, she's already told him this in a number of interviews before. So what does the audience get out of that if it's not new? Not everybody listens to every interview. So you're talking to different audiences at different times. Um, you get an independent media because she hasn't decided what interview, what questions are asked and who's asking them. Hosking and his producers, for better or for worse, get to dictate the terms and choose the questions. That is fundamental to our ability as journalists to ask what we want, when we want, and not to be dictated as we might remember from the famous Robert Muldoon interview in the 1970s with Simon Walker saying... How about giving me your fourth question where you Prime ask Minister, me... Minister, I am not going to give questions to your dictation. I should like to ask you now, is there anything to suggest that any of these Soviet missiles are aimed at us? How about the fourth question where you question whether the Rapucha landing ship was in Prime fact Minister, Russian? Minister, I must ask that to be was allowed the quest- to ask no, questions no, no, in no. my own No, you time. can't because you gave me the questions you wanted to ask me. Prime very Minister, kindly, I gave you some facts that very we kindly, could consider And now you're not answering them because you like found out that they're incorrect. If there, is any- there is a, a spectrum here that ends with a Pravda mentality where these are the questions you will ask the Prime Minister and you will stick to this, this agenda. Now, I'm not saying we're anywhere near that, but this is the direction we're going. If we give so much power to the politicians that they can step away from interviews that they find difficult or don't like, my point is that as Prime Minister, you've got to do this hard job. If you don't want it, don't be Prime Minister. Deal with it. So are you saying that we are heading in that direction, where she ha- she is dictating more who she talks to and what time she does the interview? Absolutely. I know she's um, presented it as um, something she's doing to all radio. She's still, I would point out, doing her TV interviews um, on, on the regular slot. Um, and you've got to look at the optics, I would have thought, about why you would choose to keep a regular slot with John Campbell, whose politics are pretty open, but not with Mike Hosking, whose politics are pretty open. Yes, but OK, so she's doing it with John Campbell, but she's also doing it with the AM show. Yes, she is. With Duncan Garner, who is much more critical of her. Indeed, and Mark Richardson, who is much more critical mm. of her. So, th- that look, that is fair. But there is, and, and it does make you wonder whether there is a breakdown in relationship between Hosking and Ardern. I think she presents it in a certain way, but it's interesting to hear someone like Damien O'Connor give an interview in which she says, oh, yeah, this is um, a way of putting a disc jockey in his place 
um, and she doesn't have to put up with this kind of disrespect from someone like Hosking. You know, some some disc jockey, um, you know, showing disrespect, you know, should be dealt with accordingly. And, um, you know, I just, I think we have a very lucky country, open access to, to politicians. Um, you know, we're all held accountable and that's great, but a little bit of respect, uh, you know, goes a long way. And I, she, uh, she's been, um, you know, advocating to be kind and that should apply to everyone. Whatever you think of Mike Hosking, to dismiss him as a disc jockey is unfair. He is a very good question asker. He has handled election night coverage, election debates, has one of the highest rating radio shows in the country. But it also tells you that within the Labour Party, the true reason for her putting out of this interview might be seen differently from what she's actually telling the public, which oh. is that she doesn't want to deal with Hosking every week. Barry, would you like to ask about that? Yeah, um, of all the regular radio and television slots that you do weekly, why have you singled out News Talk ZB as the one that you won't be doing? Well, the first thing I'd say is actually this decision was taken, I think, and communicated, I think it was roughly four weeks ago. Um, the reason it hasn't been noticed perhaps till now is because I have appeared uh, on two occasions since then, and that's because we've said, look, where there are issues of national significance... I will still be on uh, uh, Mike's show, on the ZB show. Morning Report. The breakfast show of the state-run radio station, National Radio, has agreed to rearrange the Prime Ministerial schedule to allow the Prime Minister to come on the day of her choosing, on the topic of her choosing. Actually, I checked, and that's not the arrangement. Like ZB, the PM has cancelled her regular slot with Morning Report. However, unlike ZB, she will be available for a report one day a week of its choosing and on any news topic. She does not dictate the time or the topic. Of course, she's not the first PM to decide who she wants to talk to, but she's probably not going to go as far as John Key when he talked to Radio Hauraki. Uh, Prime Minister John Key, this is an important one. Do you trim your downstairs? No. Have you ever done wheeze in the shower? Yes. Have you ever stolen anything? This has been a trend that we've been going down for quite some time. And um, I wrote a chapter in a book a couple of years ago called The Big Questions um, about my concern that this has been going on. This is before the Ardern government was elected. So this definitely predates her. Who was most open then, from your experience? <laughs> Who was most willing just to Sharon, take Sharon, you call? and I are probably old enough to remember growing up in the 70s and 80s, and I remember in breakfast radio and primetime television seeing ministers and shadow ministers debate live, and I saw that contest of ideas, which I think is politics at its best. Mm. These days, and certainly John Key was the first one who openly said, we do not debate as a government. And so the, he, he and his ministers would never go up against the opposition um, shadow ministers because they did not want to give them the airtime. You will remember Jim Bolger back in the 80s cancelling the post-cab press conference for a while because he didn't want to deal with that. It was reinstated. But it, it's, it's eroded since the 80s, I think, slowly, mm. slowly. Um, you talk to a lot of the Clark era politicians, they wouldn't say no to some things, but by and large, they would have, if you I wanted them in a one of the big radio or TV slots, then they would appear. They felt that was their obligation and their duty as representatives of the public, to appear and to be questioned. That changed, started to change a little bit under Clark. It changed significantly under, under Key, where they would not debate and where the ministers would turn down requests purely for optics and because they didn't couldn't be bothered they didn't want to um, I when I was um, producing Q&A and the nation I would often get responses from we would ask ministers month after month after month Judith Collins Paula Bennett Chris Finlayson were all notorious for simply refusing to come on for months if not mm. years at a time and when 
in your experience, when you did arrange for a politician or, or the Prime Minister, how, how much detail did they want about what that interview is about? It, it varied and it changed over time. Um, there were certainly more questions. I mean, I, I, no decent journalist will give their questions in advance. Um, we would talk about topics because ministers would um, have different portfolios. Are you going to be questioning Judith Collins about the you know, prisons portfolio or about RMA? You know, fair enough that they should know what topic they're talking about. But, but you would never give questions in advance. Um, and you would certainly go into that interview knowing that the goal was to hold them to account on something that was very specific. Now, understandably, when you're a politician, you don't like that. Mm. And these days, they have more options to avoid it. In the 70s and 80s, where you had a much more consolidated media, they, if they wanted to front and be seen by the public, they had to deal with who was there, whether it was a Hoskin or a Morning Report or whoever. Mm. Um, nowadays, we're fragmented. You can pop over to Hauraki, you can go on the breeze, and you can get big audiences and have a much lighter, friendlier experience. Um, but you can also control your own. I used to go down in those years when I was producing politics from Auckland for Q&A in the Nation. I would go down at the start of each year and sit in Copperfields, what used to be Bellamy's down in, um, down in Parliament, and sit and just have meetings for days with press secretaries to see what their agenda was for the year, get to the gnome a little bit. And I see even, even in that, through the three terms of the key government, the mood changed. And in those last couple of years, I was getting questions more directly like, well, what are your ratings? Why would we get... And I... I almost verbatim can quote you one press secretary saying, why would we get up on a weekend morning to come in and be grilled by Lisa Rowan when we can put out a Facebook message on our own platform from the comfort of our own office and get much the same audience? Right. And that is the death of accountability right there. Let's get another take on this. Mike Munro was Helen Clark's chief press secretary for several years. He thinks Ardern has way too many media appointments and it's time she cut back. And she's not obliged to talk to ZB. It's not as though this is the only gig in town. I know it's a very big audience, but, but the Prime Minister's office has to think about other audiences as well that they want the, the leader to be in touch with. Is it because, you know, the questioning, the interview is very combative, it can be hostile? Is that, is that the reasoning behind it, that she feels like she's not getting a fair go with Hosking? I assume that was a factor in her decision. Hosking is a very uh, hostile and you know, contrarian interviewer, and you often find yourself going sort of round and round in circles with him or following some sort of theory that he, he's got about how you know, a particular issue is running. And I don't think the PM can be accused of limiting the ability of that NZME audience to hear what she's got to say on issues because she is speaking to the parliamentary press gallery on a, on a regular Basis. She's giving interviews to individual reporters from that organisation on a regular basis. Mike, can you explain what what goes on in that whole process of you know setting up an interview like this? What what happens in the Prime Minister's office? How much information do you get from the producer of the news show about what what you're talking about? Well, there will normally be a, a, a conversation with the producer, you know, the, the morning of or, or the night before those regular slots. The, the office obviously has a, you know, a strategy of, of using the radio and television audiences to get out messages, etc. Ahead of those interviews, uh, one of the press secretaries will call a producer and they'll just have a general conversation about some of the topics that are floating around on that particular news cycle or on that particular day. And, and there'll be an understanding of the sorts of questions the Prime Minister is going to be asked. 
Uh, you know, I, th- I think it's only fair that the Prime Minister has some warning that, that what she's going to be asked. I don't think she can be expected to go and hold to these interviews. Mm. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean to say that they're going to tell you everything and they, they might hold something up their sleeve if they want to uh, you know, surprise the Prime Minister with or ambush the Prime Minister with. But, but generally speaking, the producers are very cooperative and they have a good relationship with the Prime Minister's office. They want to maintain that sort of regular slot so they tend to sort of cooperate and, 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 and share what the interviewer is going to be asking. Do you think from your time with Helen Clark in the late 90s and early 2000s, have th- has the tone of interviews changed at all? I find the tone of the press conferences is quite different, very wide-ranging, uh, often quite combative and often quite contrary. I think now that the media are looking for issues and for stories that sort of change the agenda, rather than spend a lot of time digging more deeply on the issues of the day, they're often looking to, to, to get fresh angles and fresh stories up. Those press conferences the Prime Minister has, they tend to go all over the place. They lurch from topic to topic. Journalists have their own sort of agendas and I put that down to the, you know, the, the different sort of audiences that media are looking to cater for these days. The digital platforms, it's all about, you know, short, sharp, breaking news, often once over lightly. How would that affect the preparation for something like that? How would you be supporting the Prime Minister and making sure that they're prepared for being bombarded with all kinds of questions? Well, it's just a matter of keeping a very close eye on the media landscape. Uh, you know, that's, that's the role of the press secretaries to make sure the Prime Minister is not surprised that, that there is an awareness of all the stories that are out there. So when she goes into those press conferences or goes into those set-piece interviews on a Monday morning, she, she's got a pretty good brief in front of her. So, yeah, that, that, that preparation is quite intensive and it's very thorough. And going back to the radio interviews, and in particular the ZB interviews, it was mostly Paul Holmes who would have interviewed Helen Clark. How do those interviews compare with the kind of Hosking Ardern interviews now? The tone is, is, is more aggressive than it used to be. I mean, Holmes was, was quite capable of giving Helen Clark a tough time and, and asking tough questions on issues uh, as he saw the need. But, but I feel it's more relentless now that, that there's a need for, you know, for the Prime Minister to be sort of under attack, to be hit with very sort of pointed questions, uh, to be surprised. There's a lot more editorialising too around the questions now. You get, you, you get a lot more opinion out of the interviewers, I think, than you might have got previously. On balance, I think, the Prime Minister lost yesterday. Enough reaction from both you and the commentariat showed the Prime Minister has been exposed for what she is. Enough of you saw this as a reaction to accountability, and thank God enough of you still hold accountability as a critical part of leadership. So who do you think's won here, Hosking or Ardern? No one. Uh, The biggest loser for me still comes back to us as voters. If the media is not able to choose who and when they interview and certainly get the Prime Minister on when they want and to ask, frankly, often rude questions. Um, It was another comment that Damien O'Connor made in his comment about kindness. And um, this is a real concern, that the sense that somehow this mood for kindness these days should interfere with our political debate. Politics should not be about kindness. Politics, is uh, certainly in an interview like this, is about accountability, and it's about that contest of ideas and proving that you are the right person to lead the country. I, I'm concerned that Ardern says, 
oh, look, I'm still doing lots of media. I do stand-ups. I do press conferences. They are much e- easier creatures to navigate than a one-on-one interview. Mm. That one-on-one grilling, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, eye-to-eye, face-to-face, over a microphone or in front of a camera, is the epitome of accountability. And it's much harder than a stand-up. And it's something that if we if we lose access to prime ministers or they get to be able to, to um, say who, what, where and when then we will lose. Okay, so Barry Soper, who's also on ZB, he's the political editor there. He says that she is the master of soft, flattering interviews and television chat shows, and she blanches at tough questions. Do you agree with that? I think there is some precedent for that, but I, to be honest, you would could say the same with John Key. He was charming in an interview. He deflected very well, and he often looked uncomfortable under hard questioning. Any Interview junkie like like me will remember certain interviews with people like Lisa Rowan, Guy Espiner, Paul Holmes, where um, you know John Key looked in all kinds of trouble under hard grilling. Mm. But that's what I want to see. I want to see the cut of their jib. And yes, so so Ardern certainly has a style and always had had a style where she's um, she's charming, she's likable. There is a reason why you get elected with such huge numbers. She's a very um, likable person. That's mm. a big part of politics. But yes, it's reasonable to say you can look at this. Um, there are many commentators out there who look at this government and say they don't look like they can stand up to tough questions. And when you have been the government that promised to be the most transparent government, they were supposed to break this slide. This slide that I'm talking about since the 80s of less and less accountability and the politicians having more and more power over the media and the the reluctance from politicians to debate and engage and actually face tough questioning – she had promised to change that. I do wonder what that relationship between Hosking and Ardern is really, because you will have seen or heard the jokey Christmas gift-giving. A very happy Christmas and festive season to you. Good morning and a very Merry Christmas to you. I, I just fear that I might have sort of started something here because last year's gift... Uh, to Neve, which was that fabulous vacuum cleaner, who you swear to me, now now for everybody, hand on heart, that was a hit gift, am I right? It was a hit gift, um, and that is, I think, constantly proven by the fact that she uses it to this day. Now, your gift to me last year was a fabulous T-shirt, I Heart Tuesdays, which I still have. Is the whole thing just a big show and the tense, combative relationship is also as much of a show as the funny Christmas gift-giving? I'm sure listeners will be shocked, I tell you, shocked that people pretend to be things than they are not when they're being interviewed or being or being the interviewer. Um, look, they ham it up, of course. Um, I think it's pretty clear that Mike Hoskin and Jacinda Ardern do not get on. They don't like each other. Um, so they just ham it up for Christmas, absolutely. so to speak. Absolutely. <laughs> That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Tim Watkin and Mike Munro. Mā te wā.